Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs. This is The Great America Show coming to you in the interest of truth, justice, and the American way. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you with us. Tell your friends and family all about us. Let's gather around now and take up some of the madness that's gripping this country. I apologize, by the way, if I have to whisper at any point today about certain critical subjects and events. I'll try to whisper as loudly as possible, if I can. My caution is because, well, frankly, we've received a bit of a warning out here at our undisclosed location from which we originate our broadcast and podcast, uh, this tip, the warning I'm talking about, was straightforward, warning us that we're being wiretapped. I don't know if that's the case, not for sure, certainly, but the source of the warning is highly credible, but made more so in this age of surveillance and, of course, our FBI and Justice Department and intelligence agencies who've shown no restraint in violating our constitutional rights, even those of a sitting president. No, I'm not talking about this president. I'm referring, of course, to President Trump, who has been the target of the FBI, the Marxist Dems, and the deep state for seven years now. And still, they do their DOJ master's bidding. They're all corrupt. It's getting worse, not better. And the rot of political corruption seems to have seized every department of the federal government. The Marxist Dems and the deep state are running the federal government. Take the role of the Secret Service in this Biden secret document scandal. Remember what happened when Congress wanted to see the visitors' logs at the Wilmington residence of the Bidens. Wanted to see those visitors' logs for the five-year period that apparently those secret documents were strewn around the Wilmington house. Now, those documents may have been stolen. Were they read while they were unprotected? Well, in point of fact, that's why they wanted the logs. But the fact is, at first, the Secret Service backed up the Biden White House, which had said there were no visitor logs for Biden's Delaware residents. A Secret Service spokesman even lied through his teeth when he told Fox News that they didn't have their own visitor logs because, quote, it's a private residence, end quote, as if President Biden suddenly is no longer president when he sits down in an easy chair in Wilmington, Delaware. Well, as I said at the time, that was pure bull, as if President Biden became good old Joe, private citizen, when he went to Wilmington. Not even clever bull, just blatant lies. Now, after a few days of stonewalling Congress, they finally had to admit, yes, they do know the names of those visitors, and now they're going to be so gracious as to hand over the names of the visitors to Congressman James Comer's House Oversight Committee. How about that? President Biden said he had his garage locked while those secret documents were in there, but so was drug-addled security risk son Hunter Biden as well. And Biden, the younger, lived there in the Wilmington house for a period of time while collecting big money, millions of dollars from you-know-who, the communist Chinese. And so it goes with the Biden crime family and the corrupt federal agencies that protect them, that cover for them. Speaking of big money, the government hitting the $31.4 trillion debt ceiling yesterday, and still the sun came up, all was well. The Republicans and Dems seem to want to make a confrontation out of this because, as I've said, it's lousy politics for the Republicans, and the Dems will always use it as a club to pound the Republicans and distract from the huge GOP political and legislative victories that are expected over this spring. And that's why I'm urging the Republican leadership not to go ahead and confront Joe Biden on this issue. Not this time. The timing is wrong. 
and history says it's not a good fight, not a fight worth having. The Republicans, by the way, every time they've tried it over the course of the past 30 years, it just simply has been an abject failure for them, and they don't need to have anything distract from what will be a very successful legislative and political run. They're right on policy, but this would be a very bad tactic to implement. Our guest today knows just how corrupt the corporatist media has become. Joining us today is conservative activist Brent Bozell. Brent is the founder and the head of the watchdog group, the Media Research Center. Brent watches the leftist media for us all. Thanks for being here, Brent. And I want to start with this 118th Congress, the almost week-long drama in which 20 conservative reformers challenged the old rhino guard, fought for real reform, and won. It was great television and exciting, even exhilarating, in my opinion, democracy in action. Your thoughts, Brent? Well, you know, Lou, thank you. First, thank you for having me. Uh, I agree completely. And I think that what was riveting was that we saw something we haven't seen for 16 years, a debate. We saw a real debate. This is what Congress is supposed to do. There is supposed to be rigorous debate on the issues, rigorous debate on, on legislation. You know, um, I, was, I was talking to someone this weekend, and he began to complain about the rhinos. And I, and I cut him off. And, and I said, we have to fundamentally understand something. Liberal Republicans, not moderates, because, you know, nobody uses the phrase liberal Republican like they don't exist. Um, liberal Republicans are the status quo. We don't want to admit it, but they are. We conservatives, if you look at what the definition of Republican is these days, we're the rhinos. We're on the outside looking in. The, 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 the perception is that this is a, a conservative party. Why? Because everybody runs for Congress on exactly what Chip Roy was talking about. Everybody runs for Congress talking exactly the language of Andy Biggs and Matt Gates. But then once they are elected, they walk into those chambers, and it's the middle finger to the people who elected them. And what happened was this time, the Gang of 20 said, no more. This time, we're going to make you own up to it. And the way we're going to do it is that we're going to hold up the speaker until you agree publicly and, and formally and unequivocally to do that which you promised to do, which you haven't been doing. And one of them was, you know, you know Lou, I think that my guess is that if you were to interview uh, 90% of the American people, they wouldn't know that there hasn't been a budget that's been passed in, what, what is it, 16 years? Right, um, it right. has been just one, one omnibus after another, one continuing re uh, resolution after another. This is all process, process. Uh, but for people who have more important things to do in their lives than listen to me, uh, what, it, what it means is that they didn't have to have any debate on anything. It just continued and continued and continued. Now, Democrats like that. This is something Democrats do. They spend money and they, they put us in, they put us massively into debt and they don't care about it. Meanwhile, right. Republicans give speeches about how awful it is, but they were going along with it year after year <laughs> after year. That boil has been lanced. And now you understand why they were so upset. Uh, well, I, I know part of the reason, uh, and, and I also know the the reason uh, for uh, our opportunity to see this this Congress that has been a cesspool. And I'm going to be very direct about this, folks, as you might, as as, as my audience would expect. Uh, the the Congress is corrupt. Uh, it is a uh, it is a just a a, sh a a shadow of what it once was, uh, and it has become nothing more than a clearinghouse. And the 435 congressmen, about 400 of them, are superfluous and are un unnecessary. Uh, they are not. Their vote doesn't mean much. They don't get to read legislation, or at least they didn't until this, the 118th Congress, thanks to the Freedom Caucus and the new speaker, of course, who agreed to the terms that are have every opportunity to make, I believe, the 118th Congress uh, the most transparent and most effective uh, and most uh, representative of uh, Congresses, certainly, as you say, 16 years. Uh, and I think we have to even go back a little farther 
to find a Congress that's going to be this much in the uh, the channel of tradition uh, in American uh, governance. Uh, and the, the close midterms, Brent, are, are to me, mm-hmm. they turned out to be a blessing in disguise. That 222 yeah. uh, to 212, that, yep. 10, that 10 seat margin gave the Freedom Caucus the clout it needed to do the right thing. Don't you think? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to, I just listened to all that looking for a disagreement. There's none. Uh, first to your last point, absolutely right, Lou. And not a lot of people have seen this. I was, when people were talking about that, um, that, that uh, perceived red wave coming, I warned Republicans, I warned conservatives, be careful what you wish for, because if you're looking at a wave, what's going to happen to, for there to be a wave is that Republicans are going to have to win in liberal districts. And that means it's going to be liberal Republicans who are going to be winning. They are our enemy. They are the ones who can destroy anything before it ever sees the light of day. So be careful about that red wave. I, 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 I said it very publicly that I preferred a five-vote margin that to a 20-vote margin as a conservative. I thought it would work better. So that, point, that, that points to exactly what you're saying. Now, the first part of what you said, I agree completely. I would add one thing. Those 400 members don't care about everything you said. They, they are there for one reason and, and one reason only. Oh, they come filled with fire and brimstone. And they they are ready to change the world. As soon as they arrive here in this in this godforsaken city of Washington D.C., as soon as they arrive, they are taken by leadership, and they are told, "Here's how it works: you vote for leadership, you shut up, you do what you're told, and you will advance. And as you advance, you will have greater and greater say, i.e., more and more control." in the federal government, more and more control over money. And oh, by the way, you're going to become more important, and they're all going to be coming to you, the special interests, the Chamber of Commerce. They're all, look, think about this. Think about this, folks. When somebody raises you a million dollars, they want something in return. When a defense contractor comes up with a $500,000 bundled contribution, it wants something in return. There's nothing. There's no such thing as, as, as an empty commitment that everybody wants something in return. So when you've got, I remember, Lou, when I first cut my teeth in this business in 1980, we could do congressional campaigns for $50,000, an entire campaign. And now you've got congressional campaigns that are $15, $20 million. That's how big they have become. These people care about only one thing, their reelection. So look at the complaint. Just how upset are Republicans when they are given legislation by Democrats where they're given no time to read it? Answer, very. How upset are Republicans when their own leadership does the exact same thing to them? Suddenly they're quiet as church mice. Why? Because that's the rule. You got to go along with this, and do not raise your head. What, what what is happening in this town, though, is that these twenty have upset the apple cart. In that apple cart, remember, I don't know if you recall this, but about about four election cycles ago, the head of the Chamber of Commerce, which used to be the bedrock of conservatism, that used to be ground zero in in in, in working and helping conservatives. The head of the Chamber of Commerce threatened conservatives if they opposed, I forget, some some Obama legislation, if they opposed it, he was going to take them out in primaries. And he took out Congressman Tim Hillkamp from from, uh, Illinois, took him out in a primary with a very, very vicious, dishonest attack, accusing the guy of being pro-abortion when he was he was strongly pro-life. Did that to him, sending a message to conservatives, don't tip the apple cart. We like it just as it is. 
They were opposed to Obamacare. Once it passed, they had no problem with it because they got to work within the system. This is how it works in government today. So these 20 stood up and they said, enough of this. We're going to have a debate on issues. We're going to pass laws one by law, one instead of appropriating everything. There's going to be a seat at the table for conservatives for once and for all. They tipped over that apple cart and they won. And my God, did they win. They, they exceeded everybody's expectations because their message was very clear to, to McCarthy and, and this cabal, of the, the, these, these liberals running the, the, uh, the House. We are sticking to our principles. You want to stab us in the back. You're not going to do it. And we're going to cost you the speakership unless you, unless you shape up. And they blinked. And I think you'll agree with me that Profiles and Courage has to add, uh, to be current, a, a chapter uh, and reserved for Congressman Andy Biggs of Arizona. Here is a man who is quiet. Uh, he is unpretentious in any fashion. Uh, he is bright. Uh, he is he stood fast. He led the charge for the Freedom Caucus members and a couple of others who were not currently Freedom Caucus. But he really, this was his decision. It took great courage on his part to stand first and challenge Kevin McCarthy for the speakership when no one else would. Uh, and he brought with him a core of uh, six, arguably seven other members uh, that then became uh, 21, and they right. held the line uh, as I never expected them to. I thought perhaps four, maybe five would, uh, but for those 21 to stand up together, that's when I believe Kevin McCarthy, uh, they had his attention. Yeah, uh, I know, I know uh, Andy Gibbs pretty well, uh, and I can tell you that this— uh, his passion uh, went far beyond Kevin McCarthy. It, it was the institution uh, about which he was concerned. And I know this because I, I, I had a, um, uh, a conversation with him two years ago, three years ago, about this, a long, long before this came up, uh, about the fact that you have this corruption where in both the House and, and even more so in the Senate. Look, look at the Senate. You've got you've got this old old man who is running the Senate now is the longest serving majority or, or uh, leader of the Republican Party in the Senate in history. This guy is nothing but a failure. Except Mitch McConnell is a brilliant politician, brilliant and ruthless, and knows how to run that Senate. And Andy Gibbs and I had conversations about this about how. If you're elected to Congress, you're stuck. There's nothing you can do about it. Because if you were to stand up and vote against them, that's the end of your career. And people didn't want to do that. And he stick, stuck his neck out this time, and he said, I'm going to be the first. Um, and enough people joined him. Now, um, I, will, I will guarantee you that there are a whole lot of people that, that are like, uh, you know, the, the – um, the, I hate to be. I, I I want to be politically incorrect, like the uh, the Italian general that says, "Charge! I'll be right behind you." Um, there are going to be a lot of people who are patting these twenty on the back and saying, "I was with you." Yes, I was mm -hmm. with you. But you know, I had to vote for Kevin because of X Y Z reason. That's okay. Your career may be ruined, but my God, I was with you. Way to go! There's going to be a lot of that going on. There always is. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, those twenty. Um, deserve national applause, and uh, I agree with you. And he's really one of the good guys. And I, I'm going to, I just, I just really respect so much uh, those uh, congressmen who did stand up and who did so in the interest of the institution, their party, and the American people. I believe that uh, I, I think we will be saying at some point that this was also a boon to Kevin McCarthy, because with the, the reforms that they have now instituted as a result of their hard bargaining with McCarthy, they are giving him the potential as well as the platform to be one of the most successful speakers of the House uh, in, uh, in memory. Uh, it really is that, I think, uh, a terrific opportunity. Uh, certainly, 
without question, Newt Gingrich was a revolutionary uh, in his time, uh, and now he is a member of the establishment. He was amongst those uh, decrying the loudest, uh, the Freedom Caucus valiants uh, uh, who were standing against the the status quo. Uh, it's a it's an interesting evolution for him uh, and one for the country, because I really believe this yeah. means that they can really succeed as a legislative body, something that hasn't been possible uh, since 1994. Lou, I, I, I was disappointed also with with Newt, uh, and I don't understand it in this sense. Uh, Newt is not a young politician trying to make a name for himself. He's almost 80 years old, and he's doing a swan, swan song. Now, why do I know it's a swan song? Because he told me. Um, he and I had had several meetings about what ought to be the uh, the Republican agenda, um, not just short. He was looking short-term. I was looking long-term. Or what should be the conservative agenda, better put. Um, his focus was on the elections, and he, he wanted to do one more contract. Um, and he he wanted to work with Kevin McCarthy to get one more contract done. Okay, so the commitment with America came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lou, that's the biggest pile of hooey I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> you know, Forty-three the items. Can you name me three? I mean, this this was such a waste of paper. And and when it came out, I mean, it's just the same old. Same old talking points. We believe in securing the border. We believe in cutting deficits. You know, okay, I've heard this. You just don't do it. This is the only problem. But I read this thing and I and I and I and I, and I, I denounced it and said it was going to be a one day story. Newt was not happy with me, but it was a one day story. It was a one and done. Nobody took it seriously. What did Newt come up with? Newt came up with ten issues, very specific, with pieces of legislation attached to them, and he said he would do them in one hundred days. I mean, it was a contract that he came right. up with. Now you you can you can disagree. Well, did he do it all? Did he? But but it was about the the best thing we've ever seen insofar as Republicans taking um uh, uh making commitments. To the American people, this commitment to America was nothing. I want to read you something, Lou. This sure. was written by Russ Boat, who is the head of Citizens for Renewing America. Right. People have done their analysis of what this vote was about. Here is his analysis. Then I'm going to make a comment about this. Um, he said it, uh, it levels a body blow against the D.C. political cartel that colludes against the American people. Quote. Namely, it gives House conservatives the procedural power through the all-important rules committee to control the consideration of all major bills and amendments, independence from leadership not seen in nearly 60 years. Mm -hmm. It creates a modern-day church-style committee with full authority and resources to to hold the weaponized national security state accountable. It commits the House to balance the budget in 10 years with substantial cuts to woke and weaponized government and dictates the terms for the upcoming fight on the, on the debt limit. And it enforces all of these commitments by allowing one member to force a vote on removing the, the, the speaker. Now, think about this for a second. In every campaign speech that any Republicans made, they've made these promises. Suddenly, this was a bone of contention. Suddenly, the idea of having a vote on a on 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 a balanced budget, oh, we can't do that. Suddenly, getting a commitment to say we're going to do something on the border, suddenly that was a bridge too far. So these 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 concessions that are so beautifully outlined in that statement were all things that ought not to have been concessions. They ought to have been the clarion call of the Republican Party and Kevin McCarthy on the day that he was uh, he was nominated. It ought to have been his position. This goes but, to show the utter cynicism of the Republican Party. Yeah, the cynicism, uh, the the fraudulence uh, of the of the projected 
uh, agenda uh, of the Republican Party. And it goes back to your earlier point. We're talking about what would have happened had there been a, a red wave, a red tsunami. Uh, they all acted and behaved as if, uh, and hubris is, is a treacherous thing, as if that red wave were reality and they did not have to pay mind to either the voters or to, uh, in point of fact, their, uh, their colleagues in the Congress or their own, quote unquote, commitment uh, to America. And, and the result is fitting. Uh, this, is, this is true justice that this group of people who were dismissed by the leadership of the Republican Party, dismissed by the leadership of our, our Congress and, and certainly the Senate, uh, prevailed. And with their, their victory uh, comes rehabilitation, uh, reform, and I think great rewards for the Republican Party, despite themselves, uh, without question. It commits the House. I want to repeat this because it's the, it commits the House to balance the budget in 10 years with substantial cuts to woke and weaponized government. Don't right. they talk about this in every single one of their speeches? <laughs> Suddenly they had to make a commitment. Where was the commitment before this gang of 20? Guess what? Yeah. It wasn't there. It, it's, you know, it dictates the terms for the upcoming fight on the debt limit. In other words, a real fight this time instead of nothing but rhetoric. And that's all we've got. And, and this happens. Look, I, it, it's so terrible to say this. This goes, this goes back to the end of my. I, actually, I, actually it, the, the last person to fight on this was Newt Gingrich in 1993, 1994, right. and then it ended. At that point, it ended. Do you know, think about, Lou, we are a two-branch federal government, the executive and the judiciary. The legislative is irrelevant. It's the administration that makes, that makes policy via regulation. It is the it is the govern it is the judiciary that either you know depending on which way it's leaning says there's been overreach or it overreaches itself uh, on 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 judicial on, on legal matters, right. but the 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 the, con, the House and the Senate have played no role in legislation in America. When was the, there isn't there isn't a budget? I mean they don't they don't vote on anything anymore. And 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 where's the complaints from these people? They don't complain yeah. about this because they're very comfortable doing this. But there is another element at work here, and I think we have to give it some some note as well. Many of these legislators, whether they be in the Senate, and many <laughs> there are many in the Senate, uh, and the House of Representatives, who are outright lazy. They are there for ceremonial purposes. They are there to lay a foundation that, yes, I did show up a couple of times, and I served in the U.S. Congress for three or four terms, and now I'm prepared to go to the Senate or to the governorship, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they are lazy, uh, as well as being, uh, you know, their indolence, I think, often is only outweighed by their arrogance and indifference. And this is, this is a different group of people. These 20 who stood up are showing uh, the rest of the the conference uh, who who frankly were their jaws were slack uh, suddenly they were mouth breathers as they witnessed what courage looks like and a real commitment uh, to the constitution to the republic and the american people uh, and i know that sounds like a platitude but that's exactly what they did and well, let's, the results let's, let's, let's look at this up on here for a second What's the work week of a member of Congress? They arrive Monday afternoon, and they cast a vote Monday evening so that they can say we were here on Monday. Then they work Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then they leave. Congress works three days a week when they're in session. <laughs> when they're not in session, they don't work at all. And they make 200 and some thousand dollars a year. And then that's just the starter. That's just a starter. When you, I remember Lou when I when I first got in this business in 1980, my boss pointed out we we went after five uh, liberal Democrat senators. We defeated four of them, and he said to me before the election, "Watch what happens. Watch where they go when we beat them." 
And sure enough, making his point, not a one of them returned to his home state. They all stayed in Washington and became lobbyists and millionaires. And that was the Democrats. Guess what? It's the Republicans, too. We are here as long as you want to. And the day you leave, you become a multi. Why is it that there's no pauper who leaves Congress? Why is it that everybody leaves a multimillionaire? It's amazing. It's amazing how much money a congressman or a senator can uh, can save on one hundred and seventy thousand a year. It's it's up to tens tens of millions. yeah, how about Joe Sixpack Biden? <laughs> look where he is. Look, look at look at uh, Obama. Look at Clinton. All of them, all of them, cashed in in a in a in a very big way. This is the Congress that we have today. Uh, it is as corrupt as corrupt. Whatever happened, Lou, to the phrase "civil servant"? Whatever, either on, on either side of that of, of that equation. These, you know, I, you think they're of neither, a baby closet. They're neither civil say, nor servants. Yes, that's what I'm saying. The, the Davy Crockett was was working his farm. He went to Congress for two terms, not because he wanted to, but because he had to as his civic duty. He couldn't wait to leave to leave to go to the Alamo. I, now, my guess is at the very end of the day, he didn't know which one was worse. But that's the way, that's the mentality that you had. You went to Congress because you were sacrificing on behalf of the American people. You did a couple of terms and then you went home. But the idea of these members of Congress being here, they're 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I mean, it's, it's, it's mind boggling that they're there that long. That's a complete abuse of what the founders wanted and they know it. And their attitude is, well, you know, you can't, if that's what the people in my district want, you can't say they can't have that. What they don't tell you is they've rigged it so much through all the perks they get, all the advantages they get, all the ways they can add uh, ornaments to the Christmas tree to get that part in their in their district, to get that civic swimming pool, to get this, that, and the other, all the little goodies they get themselves, they give them all the, the advantages that they need to win re-election. They don't tell you about that. Robert Byrd, go to West Virginia. There's not a thing that is not named after Robert Byrd. Turn a corner, look at a lamppost, and it's named after Robert Byrd. <laughs> no, I, I was works. I was on the, uh, my wife and I were on the uh, uh, Joe Biden Expressway in uh, Scranton, uh, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, uh, the other day, uh, taking one of the grandkids uh, home. And, uh, you know, I thought, man, two terms in office and he's got an expressway. (laughs) And and now it turns out it looks like he's going to have expressways named after him in Ukraine, Russia, China, Mexico. And there's a, a there's a U.S. attorney in Delaware right now is going to have to do some explaining about what takes five years to investigate uh, Joe Biden's son, Hunter. We are on the precipice, and we've referred to this, but not by name. This is going to be a subcommittee on investigation of ongoing criminal investigations, no matter whether they be at the, from the FBI, Department of Justice, or even reaching into the intelligence agencies uh, and their operations on foreign soil. This subcommittee that will be chaired by Congressman Jim Jordan, who will also be the chair of the Judiciary Committee, this is a potential, uh, this is a potential historic pivot for the, uh, for the idea of being a gangbuster and you know, blowing up corruption. And I want to get to this point. You said that it was a two-branch government, and I and I maintain, Brent, it's about time we disagreed about something. I truly believe there's only one branch right now, and that is the presidency. When's the last time you heard anyone talk about the imperial presidency, the awesome power of the executive branch? Uh, I don't hear it at all. The, Congress and the Senate have fast-tracked themselves into irrelevance and simply being rubber stamps for whatever they're told will be the agenda. Uh, And at the same time, they don't dare interfere through oversight over the executive branch agencies. Uh, It's, it is disgusting. And the judiciary is now, uh, is simply uh, an accessory to the crimes against the constitution. 
Your thoughts? Yeah, well, I, I think no, I, I think I think you're you're making a valid point because I, I think if you if 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 the if the judiciary were constructionist, um, it would just it would it would just say no to everything in Washington D.C. as a as a as an overreach of government because everything is uh, virtually everything is an overreach of government. And oh, by the way, if we're going to have wars, let's declare them. That's the one one of the silly little things that Congress ought to. Be, be insisting on, um, but here's here. Let's disagree on something else. Um, you you mentioned these hearings. I'm very much a doubting Thomas on it. Um, mm-hmm. Why? Because hearings haven't amounted to diddly squat with Republicans running them during the Obama years. When when the Republicans held a held control of the House, how many hearings did we have on 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 Benghazi? Do you know, Lou, that at the end of it the day. I actually sympathized with Hillary Clinton. I'm, I'm making the sign of the cross right now. I, I sympathized <laughs> with her when she made the statement, when she said in a very tired voice, this is the 17th hearing I've attended. When are, is this going to end? And do you know she was right? Because these were all hearings amounting to nothing. The Republicans had all the weapons to do the investigations, and yet every hearing seemed to happen after a FOIA from the from Judicial Watch that uh-huh. that, that that uncovered something where they had no choice. And what would happen? Uh, Trey Gowdy would give a, a, a wonderful speech. Jim Jordan was a um, a surgeon. Uh, uh, on, on, on the stand, just mowing down the opposition. And then everybody else would give flowery speeches amounting to nothing. The hearing would go, go on for a couple of days. It would end, and that would be the end until the next judicial watch. What did we learn about Lois Lerner? Lois Lerner got a promotion after what she did with the IRS. She got a promotion after using the most feared arm of government against the American people with anybody who would object to, to, mm-hmm. to the, the, the imperialism of Barack Obama. She got away with it. Hillary Clinton got away with bleaching her computers. Rosemary Woods, how many people can go back to the Nixon years and remember Rosemary Woods, who, quote-unquote, accidentally erased 18 and a half minutes of one tape, and that became the smoking gum with, with which they were going to remove Richard Nixon from office. And you've got now you've got Hillary Clinton uh, bleaching computers. You've got Lois Lerner smashing computers at the, at, at the IRS, and they all got away with it. This was with, with the Republican hearings. So uh, when I see a Republican hearing, okay, get, what is a series? Uh, uh, can you name me a, a single one of the alphabet soup of uh, offenses from the Clinton administration where the Clintons were ever held to account for what they did? When they say, when people say that they believe they're above the law, they do. Why do you think that guy's correct? Why, why do you think James Comey had smirks on their face when they test? They had smirks on their face when they when they were testifying because they knew they were going to be weren't going to be held to account. So maybe maybe there's going to be a new attitude, and I hope there is. Uh, but but um, well, if passes if passes prologue, no, there won't be. Yeah, I think that your skepticism is certainly not cynicism. It is it is skepticism. It's critical judgment. And and you have all of the evidence, uh, more than enough evidence uh, to support your case. And when I said the subcommittee, I was limiting it to that subcommittee. I think it has mm-hmm. the potential to do great things. I really do. Uh, because uh, we already know that there are whistleblowers. We already know that there is evidence and that there are Republicans who are aware of classified documents who now will have the courage to put that before the American people because they will be protected through the committee uh, as to the others. 80, you know, uh, firing 87,000 IR agents? I don't think so. They're not going to be able to do it because they don't. Uh, it's, first of all, the budget is baked until the end of September, September 30th of this year. All of these ideas about the budget and uh, what they're going to do uh, will come to pass in the subsequent year. But they basically have lost the first year of governance because of that Kevin McCarthy agreed to that omnibus bill. And uh, to your point about uh, Hillary Clinton and the Benghazi committee, uh, 
personnel is still policy in Washington, D.C., as it is in, in business uh-huh. itself, in any organization. But when you have Trey Gowdy, now think about what this man did. He had that committee. He, he got all the television time in the world and did absolutely nothing. He had the power to do something, and he uh-huh. chose not to. Paul Ryan, the worst speaker of the House, who knew who knew that the that the seal dossier was a fake uh, for six months before he told the investigators of the intelligence committee. Mm-hmm. These are the people mm-hmm. that were involved. Trey Gowdy, by the way, you remember famously not only uh, you know made a fool of himself as the chair of that committee, but then he went to the, see the documents and said of the FBI, you'll be pleased to know they're doing the right thing and there is no problem here. Yeah. That is while they were carrying out a frame-up of the President of the United States per, uh, and, and just driving a, a hoax, uh, as President Trump then called it, of the Russia collusion. Uh, we're now in the seventh year of, uh, of the political persecution of a President of the United States. And Trey Gowdy's final words on the matter were, you'll be proud of the FBI. Uh, so those are the insinuating instances. Who- yeah, Lou, I think that, that uh, if they do a, um, a serious investigation, I've got a hunch we're going to learn that uh, the, the Hunter Biden story goes even deeper than everybody's speculating. And I'll tell you why. Um, the, the idea that they would feel so emboldened as to have the son of the vice president of the United States travel on Air Force Two with his father uh, to foreign governments and cut deals with them while his father was negotiating with them, that they, that they, would, that they would know that this was so terribly wrong and unethical to do, and illegal to do, yet they mm-hmm. felt they could get away with it. Uh, when, when he's sending emails about getting 10% for the big guy, um, I, my, 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 my guess is that uh, it, when we get to the bottom, if we get to the bottom of this, we're going to find a level of corruption that is going to boggle the mind. And oh, by the way, whatever happened to investigating the Clintons for doing the exact same thing when exactly. they were having their speeches and they were making their deals, um, uh, wh- whatever happened to, to that investigation? I think that if you could ever, ever get to the bottom of this, I think we might find, uh, and then since the only way, the only way you're ever going to do this is you've got to lance this boil and push out the pus. Uh, and it's going to be dirty, it's going to be ugly, and it's going to be painful. Uh, but that's the only way you're going to save this country. And it's shaping up to be uh, the church committee, too, that subcommittee that I was referring to. Uh, it is going to be that thorough, it is going to be that painful, and it's going to be that revelatory uh, of of crimes against the nation. And I agree with you about the Clintons. Think, my Lord, uh, the Clinton Foundation was a, a criminal enterprise. It's that, yeah. It is that straightforward. And no one and will, nobody could, no one and, will and, even and, whisper and, it. And, and, and here's your evidence. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 to this day, I find this amazing pay-to-play. Well, let's put it this way. The day Hillary Clinton lost her campaign was the day that all contributions to the Clinton Foundation ended from foreign governments. That was the last day. No more. Within one month, the entire thing was shut down. If that isn't evidence of paid to play, what is? It's impossible for me to conjure up a better example of pay to play than what they were doing. And they got away with it. Millions and millions of dollars from foreign governments going into their foundation. And you know, one of the few mistakes, I believe, that President Trump made uh, while he was in office, was choosing to do what he thought was the gracious and respectful thing, which is not prosecute Hillary Clinton. He, and think what has happened to him, the payback from the Marxist Dems, the deep state, 
they have tried to destroy that man from before he won the presidency. They thought they could stop him. Then they found that they would have to overthrow him. And now they want to absolutely destroy any chance of his running again in 2024. Uh, it, it's it's a remarkable uh, period of history, and we're very uh, we're very fortunate to be, I believe, to ha- well, I better say it this way, to have the opportunity now to to fix much of it. Uh, we can never recover yeah. it, but we can fix it. it uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brent. George Bush, 43, made the same mistake uh, that Trump made. If, if, if you recall, uh, no, 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 this would have been Bush, Bush 41. I'm sorry. Um, the the uh, Anita Hill, um, Clarence Thomas uh, story was meant to completely humiliate him in his presidential reelection campaign. That Anita Hill story was based on uh, a leak of seven. It was, it was, I remember this, it was Senate rule 29, where you leaking confidential information from a Senate intelligence committee. And it was leaked publicly. The Anita Hill thing came out uh, and it was broken. And it turned out the FBI investigated it and they narrowed it down to Howard, Senator Howard Metzenbaum's office that had done that. Regardless, when the campaign was over, Bush 41 should have called for a prosecution on this. And he announced, no, we're going to turn over a new leaf and let bygones be bygones. He should never have done that because all that did was to embolden the Clinton machine to do what they did. And this is what the white Democrats feel that they really are immune from it because Republicans never hold them to account because Republicans tend just it tend to be a lot more gracious than Democrats. And I, and I, I know I, 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 I love it when I when I see Republicans say, well, we're not going to do the terrible things Democrats did because we're nice people. OK, be a nice person. But in this country, in, in this city, it's a it's a knife fight and you're being a nice person. And then you wonder when you have a knife in your jugular, how it got there. Exactly. And this is a war. Uh, there is no doubt about it. This is a an existential moment in our history. The Democrat Party, as we once knew it, is now the party of the Marxist Dems. They mean to destroy every institution, every societal organization, and fundamentally the American family in order to create a new America. And that is in no way hyperbole. It is, if anything, understatement. And the Republican Party is only coming to terms with it. Uh, Certainly conservatives understand it. Certainly a narrow few understand the stakes uh, that are involved. And uh, again, I want to say here, thanks again to the Freedom Caucus, to Congressman Andy Biggs and all of his band of reformers for what they've given this country an opportunity to do, which is first for the republic to survive and to succeed. Uh, Brent Bozell, we always, always give our guests the last word uh, and if I may, uh, your concluding thoughts, and we appreciate you being with us today. Uh, let me let me conclude with uh, uh, following up on what you said a minute ago. Uh, I never thought I would say this. Uh, George McGovern was the most left-wing senator in America when he ran for president in 1972, was finally defeated in 1980. Uh, palled around with Fidel Castro, supported every left-wing piece of legislation, et cetera, et cetera. I long for the good old days of George McGovern. Why? Because on July 4th, he could stand next to Senator Jesse Helms, the most conservative member of Senate, and the Senate, and they could both hold American flags and declare their allegiance to America. I look at these pack of liberals, of these left-wingers, the fundamental difference between them and the Democratic Party of just 10 years ago is these are anti-Americans. When, when, when you swear your allegiance to Black Lives Matter, you're the most political and powerful group in America today, you're, you're swearing your allegiance to an organization that is headed by self-proclaimed Marxists who, this, who, this, who, this, who, who, who have nothing but disdain for Americanism with a manifesto that calls for the destruction of the Judeo-Christian tradition. 
you're standing with organizations that support uh, CRT, what is critical race theory? It, it indoctrinates a whole generation of youngsters to believe their country is evil. What's the 1619 Project? It is an alternative to 1776 to the evil of that country. That's where the Democratic Party is today. That's the party of George Soros that dominates the Democratic Party today. They are dangerous. They're anti-American. You know, it goes to the media as well. You, you, you have been at this much longer than I have, but you know, I, 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 I long for the good old days of Tom Brokaw and Dan Rather compared to what we have today. When you look at them, at least you know Tom Brokaw was biased, and Dan Rather was biased, and Peter Jennings, the late Peter Jennings, were biased, but they weren't they weren't giving aid, uh, aid and comfort to anti-Americanism, which is what you're seeing in the media today. So I long for the good old days of radical left-wingism. <laughs> Well, I, I wish I could say I long for the good old days of uh, American conservatism, but I can't think of a golden <laughs> era of conservatism. Uh, but maybe maybe we're on the uh, the verge, uh, the dawning of the golden era of conservatism and a return to traditional American values. Yeah, and, yeah. let's be optimistic. And, and, let's and, be optimistic. And, and maybe we'll stop what uh, some envision as a, another term of uh, Barack Obama and make the fundamental transformation one that we uh, uh, that we bring along the uh, the Marxist left in this country uh, to brighter uh, and uh, more enlightened horizons. Uh, Brent Bozell, thanks so much for being with us. I've enjoyed talking with you. Come back soon, uh, and God bless you. A tremendous pleasure. Thank you so much. Brent Bozell, a great American, head of the Media Research Center. Their website is mrc.com. That's mrc.com. Our guest Monday will be the MAGA warrior himself, Steve Bannon, host of The War Room. So please be with us right here on The Great America Show Monday. Till then, thanks and God bless you. And God bless America. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.